We're continuing in the book of Genesis, and I hope that, um, and today we're in Genesis chapter 24, and I hope that as we've been going through the book of Genesis, one of the great things about doing it this way, in my opinion, is that from week to week, you hopefully are reading along in your own Bibles, and maybe the, God's giving you uh, a whole nother sermon uh, as you're studying. One of, the, one of the things that I've discovered as we've been going through Genesis is, is not um, figuring out what is there to preach, but rather what are we not going to preach. Uh, there's multiple sermons in each and every chapter. And so hopefully as you read through before each week, hopefully there's something that you're reading and God's speaking his own sermon into your life, or maybe you're seeing something different from a different perspective. Uh, and uh, don't just wait for it to come on Sabbath because you know, you'll get one thing from me and God wants to give you something else maybe, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to you just as well as he does to me. So, so uh, I hope that you're reading along. Next, next week we're gonna be in chapter 25, and so this week, uh, read chapter 25 and maybe God will speak something into your heart and then maybe you'll hear something completely different or something that affirms what you read over the course of the week. But as we've been going through the book of Genesis, we've seen the evidence of God's power through a myriad of ways, through, through, through numerous ways, God's power has been on display. From the very beginning, God's speaking things into existence. And then, of course, the power of the flood that covers the entire earth. We've seen God's power as he gives uh, dreams to kings and, and, and moves their hearts to, to change direction and, and he gives visions to Abraham. We've seen God's power as an angel comes and, and speaks to a, a disconsolate uh, 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 Hagar in the desert and, and comforts her and reassures, reassures her. We've seen God's power when, when visitors come angelic and, and heavenly beings come to visit and eat with Abraham and, and Abraham is, 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 is in this moment in which at another time in this moment in which uh, literally God is dividing animals and passing through those animals like a ball of fire. These are, these are huge things. We've seen God's power and fire coming out of heaven and, and a woman being turned to salt and, and God's power in a son being put on an altar and then a ram being caught in the thicket. These are all amazing, amazing things, but I have to be honest with you, never once have I with my own eyes seen or experienced any of those pictures of God's power. And I would dare say that most of you have not either. I'm pretty sure none of you have seen someone turn to a pillar of salt, and hopefully no one has any stories about putting a child on an altar. Uh, we better never hear those stories of, of, those, of God's power. We hope not to hear those stories of God's power in this context. And then we come to chapter 24. And chapter 24 is actually the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. It's the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. And the power in this chapter isn't fire falling from heaven or, or people being turned to salt or people, a whole city being blinded. It's found in something that we can attach to in our everyday lives. It's, it's found in a story, in, 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 in elements of a man's story that we can relate to as well. Genesis chapter 24, the Bible tells us, now Abraham was old, this is verse one, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to a servant, the oldest of his household, who had put charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son 
from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. Just a little pastoral license here. It's interesting that the longest chapter in the book of Genesis is a chapter on finding a spouse. And here's my pastoral license. Maybe we should remember this when we're searching and takes adequate amount of time to find the right person. Amen? I hope all the single people amen too. Abraham lays out one basic, one basic qualification for Isaac. One basic qualification when he says, go find a wife for my son Isaac. Here's the one basic qualification. Do not let her be from amongst the Canaanites. Another way of saying this to his servant, he says, please find for my son a spouse that most aligns with my beliefs. Please find for my spouse a or my son, a spouse that is most aligned with our beliefs. There are no other qualifications that God, or that Abraham gives. Find someone that's most aligned with our beliefs. Can I again pause and say that I hope that all of us as parents are continuing to teach our young people that. I hope our schools are teaching that. I hope our, our pastors are teaching that. If you are pondering marriage, whether you're young or you're old, I hope this will be the highest qualification on your list. Someone that believes the way that I believe. I know it's not politically correct to say that anymore, but who cares? I'm gonna say it anyways. If you're a good Catholic, marry a good Catholic. If you're a good Baptist, marry a good Baptist. If you're a good Adventist or a committed Adventist, I shouldn't say good, because who is good? The Lord says no, not one. If you're committed in any of those ways, if you're a committed Adventist, then marry, please, a committed Adventist. But that's not what I want to talk about today. That's just me wanting to give a little piece of comment, pastoral advice. But Abraham makes this one, makes this one his servant commit to this one thing. Do not let my son marry someone that doesn't believe in the one true God. But the focus of this story that I want to, to, to emphasize this morning is not about Abraham, it's not about Isaac. In fact, Isaac is, uh, has the least section in all the Bible of, the, of all Genesis of the patriarchs. He's, he's almost more of a connecting point. Uh, we know a lot about Abraham and, and Jacob, but Isaac is, is more of just this connecting point. But Genesis chapter 24 um, speaks of a spirituality that I can relate to, speaks of the, the power of God that I can relate to, not something created out of nothing, not fire coming down out of heaven, not, not, not visions or, or dreams, which I have not experienced any of those things in a supernatural way, but, but something that I can relate to. And so we're gonna be reading through Genesis chapter 24, and I want to encourage you to follow along because I'm going to be reading a big chunk of the Bible. We're going to start reading in verse 10. You can go ahead and read, uh, follow along in the pew Bibles in front of you. Uh, it's the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, or, or if you brought a Bible with you, or your smartphone or your tablet. I know that whenever you pull out your smartphones or your tablets, that's what you're doing anyways. I know all the young people over there are already looking at their Bibles right now in preparation of this moment. That's what I tell myself, and that's what we should all tell ourselves. One, one, one Sabbath, Pastor Andrea was preaching, 
and I was taking notes on my phone and, and tweeting about it too. I was sending like tweets out. I was like, oh, that's a really good thing she said. And I was tweeting these things. And I got this connection card that said, Pastor Chad, how dare you be texting during Pastor Andrea's sermon? She worked so hard on that sermon. And I was like, I wasn't texting. I was, I was taking notes and writing. So if you look around and you see someone on a phone, don't, don't, don't judge. As, as we know, all the young people are on their phones taking notes right now on the sermon already. And all of you as well. Um, and so, uh, and so uh, please follow along and feel free to tweet it out as you, as you so desire. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels, this is verse 10 of chapter 24, and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master, Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master, Abraham. Behold, he says to God, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink, and I will also water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished, drink, give, finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to wa draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether or not the Lord had prospered his journey. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, please, tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen, my master's family. While the servant was giving this prayer of thanksgiving to God, while, while he was praising God for how he'd answered his prayer, Rebecca has run off to tell her family what is going on and to tell her about this, this man that she's met and, 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 the, and the jewels that he, he gave to her. And her brother Laban, who we're gonna hear about later in the Genesis story, who's a bit of a shady character, uh, but in this story he's a minor player, but her brother Laban comes out to meet him and invites them to come back to the house to, to, to stay the night and to, to eat with them. And they sit down to eat and and the servant, before he, he, he even can eat, the Bible tells us in verse 33 that the servant says, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. So Laban, Rebekah's brother, said, speak on. 
And so the servant then begins to speak. And, and what he shares with the family is basically a testimony of what has just happened. He begins by saying, Abraham gave me this charge to go back to, to, to the land in which he came from, to find a spouse from amongst his own people. It must be someone that's not of the Canaanite tribe, but someone who, who, who is related, who is familiar with who we are as a people. Go back and find the spouse. And, and then the servant doesn't say, and so I came and, and, I, and I saw your daughter and I realized she's the one. And No, the servant tells the story. He says, and so the moment I got here, the thing that I did was I immediately prayed. And I began to ask God to give me success in my mission, to give me success in my task. And then he tells them, and your daughter showed up, and, she ans- and, and God revealed to me that, that he was answering my prayer. And then he says to him, and after I saw that God had given me success, the thing that the servant says, who we don't even know his name, is I then prayed again, and I, this time I thanked God, and I gave God praise for answering my prayer. And he's just going through this testimony. He's giving this simple little testimony about what happens. Before I eat, I want to tell you about what God has done for me is basically what he said. This is what God has done for me. And then notice the answer. I love the answer that follows from Laban and from the family when the servant finishes the testimony. He says, this thing has come from the Lord We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebecca is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. And then immediately after this, once again, the servant bows his head again and gives God praise. And gives God praise for answering his prayer. Y'all, I love this story because of the evidence of God's power in this story is not something that most of us are completely unfamiliar with. It's the story of a man who did something that all of us or most of us are familiar with. He bowed his head and he prayed. And in that simple moment, God answered the other thing I, I love about this is, is, is we see these elements of, within the story of a, of a spirituality that is accessible to each and every one of us. A spirituality that is, that is very simple in its makeup and yet profound in the power that is behind it. An everyday spirituality that hopefully you've seen in your own life and if not in your own life, in the life of others and you can know that it's something you can be connected to as well. I know you heard from the story the different points, but, but, but let me go through them one more time. The man has been commissioned for a task for that day, for that period of his life. And the first thing he does as he sets out upon this task is he prays. And the thing I love about this prayer is this is, is we see from the Bible that this prayer isn't a prayer, uh, some grandiose prayer where he's standing in the, in the city square and he's calling out to God and he's drawing all this attention to himself. It's not a prayer of, of big words or, 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 or highfalutin words, but, but it's just a simple prayer. In fact, the Bible tells us in verse 45, if you want to look at verse 45, I love this, that the Bible adds this in, into the story. The Bible tells us before, he says what? Before I had finished speaking in my what? In my heart. Before I had even finished speaking in my heart. Again, this wasn't some, some 
I mean, there's prayers in the Bible that are just amazing, and we think, man, I wish I knew how to pray like that. This is a guy that just bows his head, and he's praying in his heart, something that probably is the way most of us pray on a consistent basis, praying in our heart. I have three sons. My oldest, Dayton, my middle is Landon. My, my middle son's birthday is today. He's seven years old today. Uh, I don't know if they're still here. They were working with the, his team. But if you see him, you know, wish him a happy birthday. Uh, he, he is my middle son, so don't expect much in response. My oldest would give you a hug. If you're a lady, my youngest would flirt with you. And uh, if you're my middle, uh, he'll turn his back and walk away and go whatever. But, uh, but he does appreciate it, trust me. Uh, but, but all of my sons have done this, done this over the course of their life. I guess they learned it from their, from their older brother. When I put them to bed at night, I always... Uh, say a prayer over them and ask them to pray as well. And, 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 and we pray, and sometimes I'll go first, sometimes they'll go first. But, but each one of them has, I've heard this from each one of them, where, I, where I'm praying with them, and then at the end of it I say, okay, it's your turn to pray, and then there's nothing, it's just silent. And, and I guess in my impatience, you know, I get impatient or I forget or whatever, sometimes I'll go, I told you to pray, or I asked you to pray. And every single one of them, at one point or another in their lives, has said to me, shh, I'm praying in my heart, Dad. Like, duh. They're little kids, but they understand this profound truth that, that it doesn't have to be grand, it doesn't have to be magnificent, that, that we can simply bow our heads where we're at and, and, in the, and in the quiet and in the depths of our heart, we can pray and still have access to that power. This servant isn't, isn't standing by the well saying, oh Lord, you've heard, no. The Bible says, he said, before I even finish speaking in my heart, God was already answering my prayer. God was already responding to my prayer. And as, and as uh, the servant observes, as he observes what's going on, he, he realizes what, is, what has happened, that God has answered his prayer, and, and, and he gives the, the, the lady the, the jewels, but, but before he can even communicate anymore with her and she runs off, he's already begun to prayer, pray, uh, prayer, uh, pr- pray, a prayer of thanksgiving. That's a little tongue-tied. Pray a prayer of thanksgiving. He doesn't say, oh man, good, I got success, I'm on my way. No, his, his spirituality is of such that he recognizes that this is from God. This is a God answer. This is a God moment. It's not a fluke. It's not coincidence. It's not luck. Let's face it, sometimes we pray for things and then we almost act like it just happened because, oh, we got lucky on this case. We got lucky in this situation. He, he recognizes immediately this is from God and he, and he gives thanks to God. He prays a prayer, God help me, God answers. And he says, thank you God, just a simple prayer of thanksgiving. God, I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for what you have done. And then the very next thing that he does when he goes to this house, or the very first thing he does when he goes to this house, he even says to them, before I can eat, before I can do anything else, I wanna tell you something. And I wanna just share with you this little testimony of how God has answered my prayer. And he doesn't say, Abraham sent me here and I searched for your daughter and I found your daughter and, and all is good. No, he says, Abraham sent me here and I prayed. And then your daughter came to the well and I prayed again. All throughout the testimony, he's giving God praise. And then at the end of the testimony, what is the answer? I love the answer of Laban and his father. The Bible says that Laban and his father said, obviously, this thing is from God. How can we oppose it? Obviously, this thing is from God. That's a good testimony, folks. 
When, when someone goes, man, obviously this thing is from God, how can we oppose it? A simple spirituality. Most of us are not going to have grand dreams where God communicates to us. Most of us are not going to have visions where God communicates to us. Most of us are not going to see fire come out of heaven and consume an entire city and say, oh, now I realize that there is a God. Most of us are not going to, to, to be in a situation where an angel comes and speaks to us in the desert when we're in our most destitute place and say, oh, now I see that there is a God. Most of us are not going to have any of those experiences, and yet the same power behind each and every one of those experiences can be found in the simple spiritual moments of bowing our heads and saying a prayer in our heart. The same power that did all those things is the power that answered this servant's simple prayer. Lord, give me success in my task for this day. The response in those moments isn't going to be necessarily that we change the world. It isn't gonna be that, that, that the largest and most amazing thing happens. Sometimes just the response is, Lord, thank you for hearing and answering this prayer. Let me tell somebody about this. And they hear that testimony and they say, obviously, this is from God. The great thing about this type of spirituality that I love is it is a spirituality that literally covers all bases. In other words, Abraham's servant is looking for a, is, is on a big mission, a big task. I mean, let's agree that one of the most important decisions in your life is finding a spouse. Yes, we agree with that, amen? We agree with that, amen, young folk? One of the biggest decisions in your life is finding a spouse. Young men, maybe you wanna go to Southern. 60% of the student body is female. Uh, just a little <laughs> point on Southern. I'm a grad, right? I'm an alumni. That's, we gotta plug our school somehow. That's a good thing right now, 60% female. Ladies, maybe go to Andrews or Walla Walla or something. It's a little more 50-50 there. But one of the most important things you'll do in life is, is find a spouse. But, but the spirituality of the servant isn't just for finding spouses. It can also be in the little everyday tasks of our life. When we get up in the morning, we look at our day and we say, what is before us? We bow our heads and we say, God, give me success in whatever this task is today. And when God gives us success or when God blesses us through that day, we say, God, thank you for the blessings of this day. Maybe we don't see it come to full fruition, but we say, God, I know you heard me. And, and, and then we take every opportunity to tell these stories to people because we never know how those little testimonies will eventually impact someone's life or speak to someone's heart. And I wanna close with this story about such a time. Not a big, amazing thing, but a small thing that in the moment, I have to be quite honest with you, sometimes I veer into cynicism. In spiritual things too, I look at things and people say, oh, God did this, and I go, really? Was that God? Maybe it just happened. You know, but, 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 the, but the truth is, I've, I, as I get older, I come to see that, that I believe more and more, I see that God's doing in those, those little things. And, and the story happened in one of those moments where I was veering into cynicism. I was uh, in college, and I had come back from college to do an internship for the summer at Kettering Church. And I was, I was doing a summer internship at Kettering Church, and 
uh, one of the things that they asked me to do was go over for the end of the week session or the, the closing sessions with the teachers, their post school time, whatever it was, I don't know what that's called, after school's out, to go over and meet with the teachers and to do some of the morning worships for them following their school year. And so I go over to do one of these, one of these early, first morning worships, and the person that was in charge before they introduced me and I got up to share, uh, they said, is there anybody who has any praises or prayer requests that they'd like to share? And one of the teachers raised her hand and she said, yeah, I want to share something. Her name was Mrs. Uh, Harriet Snyder, Mrs. Snyder. She was one of the fifth grade teachers there when I had gone to Spring Valley and was still there at the time. And Mrs. Snyder said, you know, this past weekend I went to visit my son and I was preparing for the trip. And, and as I always do, I'm praying to God to ask him to bless my trip and to guide me and to, and to give me wisdom throughout throughout my, or to, to bless me throughout my trip. And, and so I'm saying this prayer and I'm packing uh, up my luggage and, and I put in um, these, these, these pantyhose and this is not a weird story, trust me. I was putting in these, these pantyhose and, and I threw in the pantyhose and as I threw in the pantyhose, in my mind I felt the impression you need to throw in another set of pantyhose. And she's telling the story and I'm sitting there, I'm 21 years old thinking, where's this thing going? Where's this story going? And, and she, she said, and, and, I, and I said to God, well, I already put in a brand new egg of pantyhose. Didn't they, they used to come in like eggs, right? Do they still come in eggs? I don't know. I don't, I don't wear pantyhose. Should be a loud amen after that. But, but she said, I, I, I felt like I needed to throw in a new, new thing of pantyhose. And she said, but God, these are brand new. I haven't even taken them out of the plastic yet. I've not even opened them. Why do I need a new set of pantyhose? She said, but God impressed upon me. And so I said, okay, God, and I'll put in these, these pantyhose. And she put in these, these, this extra set of pantyhose and she went on her way to her trip. And she said, and Sabbath morning, I get up in the morning and I take out this new, new pantyhose that I had just bought and hadn't opened yet out of the plastic and, and I open them up and I go to pull them out of the thing and, I, and I'm putting them on and there's this giant run in this brand new set of pantyhose. And she said to us, I just wanna praise God that he impressed upon me to put in another thing of pantyhose. And I was already learning to be a good pastor. And I said, oh, that's nice, you know. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm thinking, that is just nonsense. Like, God doesn't care about your pantyhose. And I even later said to her, because I have a big mouth, and I said, do you really think that was God? And she's like, oh, yeah, that was God. You know, I, I prayed, and God impressed it upon me. And Well, years later, as, as I've grown some and as I've thought about these things, this little testimony that she gave in this moment has actually had a profound impact on me in moving me to, to see God in the little things. Later, later, years later, as I, as I thought about this story, I thought to myself, you know what? If, if she had gotten those pantyhose out and, and put them on and seen that run, she would have been upset and angry and frustrated with herself if she had not put in that extra pair of pantyhose. Or maybe she'd be embarrassed because she had to go to church without pantyhose. Some of the younger people, my wife is like, I'd, I'm, I'd be praising the Lord that he had the run in them. I didn't have to wear them. Christina says they're too hot. I don't want to wear pantyhose. But, but, but you know, I know certain generations wore them more. And I, I, I realized, like, God was protecting her from having a bad Sabbath on that morning. And it's this simple, same type of thing. She prayed, God, 
put something into her mind. She was praising God. She said a prayer of thanks to God afterwards. Thank you, God, for reminding me to put in these pantyhose. And now I just want to tell my colleagues how God is so good. Very simple spirituality that all of us can participate in. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to be Abraham. You don't have to be Isaac. You don't have to be Noah. You don't have to be Hagar. You can be you. And you can still bow your head every day. Say, God, bless me in this day. Thank you, God, for what you've done through this day. Go home, even maybe just around the table and say, you know what, kids? It is so awesome what God did for me today. And your kids may roll their eyes and go, oh, brother. Really, pantyhose? (laughs) And yet you never know, that little testimony may speak to some heart. That little story may speak to some heart. And God will use it in profound ways. I love the spirituality of the servant. We don't know his name, although we have assumptions about who it is. But what we do know is he was faithful. He wasn't faithful because fire was coming out of heaven. He wasn't faithful because someone was turning to salt. He wasn't faithful because he was having dreams and visions. He was faithful. Simple prayer, simple thanks, simple testimony, a simple spiritual life that all of us can embrace and see God use each and every one of us. Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for the, the simplicity. Sometimes it seems so complex, and yet there's, there's also the simple. I pray for each and every one of us that you will guide us and direct us. Lord, even now, I've been teasing with the young people this morning, but even now as I think about many of them that are going off to college, I wanna pray that you'll remind them of this in their journeys in college. As some are going into high school and middle school and the elementary, throughout the ages, Lord. Remind them that that simple connection to you still brings the same power that created the universe, still brings the same power that that gave sight to the blind, that simple connection in any task of life still brings us the power of Jesus. Lord, bless us in that. In your name we pray. Amen.